Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. This is the last podcast of 2019, after I don't know how many, lots. Um, yes, because of the Christmas break, because we're all like real people with real lives and we're not coming in to record on Christmas Eve and all the rest of it. We're not recording now to the 5th of January, so there's loads to go through. It's been a couple of games since we last recorded and then kind of a bit of a wrap-up of the year and I think there's something like five or six games till we next record, so a lot to get through. I am David Fraser. There's three of us uh, here tonight. Unfortunately, Paul Finney uh, wanted to be here but had to pull out quite late. With me is Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Hello. Hello, and Ian McCulloch. Hello. We, I don't know how many appearances you've made now. There was, there was a tally a few weeks ago. I don't know, maybe 10? Uh, yeah. 10, like I think you qualify as a semi-regular. I think I'm in double figures. I think, and handily, you went to Barnsley. I did, You yeah. did, so you can talk about that uh, in, a, in a minute. So, let me run through the admin, which is very simple, and probably everyone knows it by now, which is thank you. If you are listening to us and want to, hear about, want to listen back to more episodes, you can do so on our website at qprpod.co.uk, where you can also support the podcast if you click on support the show um it, we are always grateful for any support that we can get if you want to interact with us do so on twitter at qpr pod and you can also find us on facebook that's it right since we last recorded birmingham away win barnsley away not a win whatever they call it these days um ian you should start us off because you were at Barnsley. I did. I went to Barnsley full of uh, excellent win at Birmingham. And I went to Barnsley kind of reasonably confident. Uh, and typically, typically QPR, they let us down. But I have to say, I really enjoyed the game. I know we lost on that. It was like watching... Bonkers. Yeah, it's like, it's like a Sunday morning game. Because it was howling wind, driving rain. The pitch was so bad. The subs couldn't warm up on the touchline. So the actual subs were running up on the wing. So mm. the ball was down the other end. They were running up actually on the pitch. And it was just two teams that couldn't defend that wanted to play football. Um, we lost 5-3. We should have won 6-5. That's how it was. And um, Yeah, we can't defend, as we all know. And Barnsley are a lot better than I thought they would be. They play nice football. And I've seen so many QPR wins away, matches away from home over the last 30-odd years where we've turned up and been bullied and beaten up and played crap and lost 1-0, not had a shot on goal. And, but we lost 5-3, scored three goals, and you kind of walk away and went, well... It's, yeah, it's that team written, this team written all over, isn't it? Score three away from home and lose. I think it's just well. the championship as well, all over it. It's just mad football, really scrappy. Um, I, I watched the ninety minutes back, and I actually thought Barnsley looked pretty good. And I think you know, give with their new manager, they might Better actually the be able to improve. The table yeah, label. yeah. And maybe he doesn't have enough time to save them because they have about half as many points as we do. But they looked all right. It might have been that we were a bit tired uh, after, obviously, quite a big run of games. But it's only going to get worse now. So I hope there's still some legs left yeah. in them. I think there is. It's not an excuse, and it shouldn't be. But I think it's definitely a factor that um, Warburton was on Talk Sport, I think, 
on Thursday after the Birmingham game. Yeah. And they were caught in traffic and roadworks on the M40 coming back and didn't get back to London until gone 3 a.m. in the morning. On Thursday, and On Thursday yeah. morning, she's doing that and then you're backing up mm. up to South Yorkshire and, you know... It doesn't help, does it? It doesn't help, but at the same time, you know, you shouldn't be letting in five goals to a team at the bottom of the table. Um... But it's, it, I've been more I've been more pissed off with QPR defeats in the past than that. It's just one of those, and you go well. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a freak, uh, it's freak, freak accident. Um, it, at one, sorry, you touch your phone. At one stage, we were turning around saying this could be one of those days where we would say, "Well, I was there, and we won six five. That's how it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, Ezzy missed a sitter. Bright missed an absolutely guilt edge chance. We blazed it over the bar. Chair hit the bar, and you kind of yeah, it's one, one of those. It was, but it was certainly good fun to watch. Your Top performers and least top performers from Saturday? Um, well, I've said to a friend of mine the other day, when Jeff Cameron plays well, the team generally play well. Yeah. Jeff didn't play well Saturday. <laughs> so uh, Lee Wallace struggled a bit at left back. They all look very leggy. They look kind that of tired. That well, doesn't it? Uh, but um, as I say, it was a very heavy pitch. But um, Naki Wells looked great when he came on. He brought him on second half and he really made a difference. Chair looked sharp when he came on. Uh, it was just a bad day at the office for everyone, really. You can't, I wouldn't say there's anyone to hang out to dry and no one you can lord either. But uh, Amos looked okay. I think he's a player that needs some games. Yeah. I think the more he plays, yeah. the better he'll get. Uh, took his goal as well. Um, yeah. So. Lumley watch. He had um, one dodgy kick, didn't he? But it didn't lead to anything. So. He made an amazing save, actually, which would have been an own goal against... Todd Kane, I think it was. Mm. Oh, yeah. Or he had to change direction yeah, and get down right. low and keep one out. Uh, I don't think he's at fault for any of the goals. It's hard because a lot of them are down the other end. You know, you, you're the other end of the field, you kind of... Do we know what's happened with um, Liam Kelly? So, as far as I know, it's still being said that he has a hamstring injury. A thigh injury. He has oh, a torn thigh, thigh muscle. Because mm. he's, not, he's not even making the bench. No. So, it can't be anything else than an actual real injury. Unless it's a cover for something <laughs> else. Yeah. Well, I think Warburton and one of his recent... Interviews on the website said that he basically doesn't want to reveal reasons for injuries, right? To give away too much to other teams, which is kind of why we never know who's injured and who's not. So it's obviously a reason for it. And the Birmingham game, of course, not bad goal. No, I think a, a bit like Preston. I think that they were really poor and it made us look good. But I'm absolutely fine with that. I mean, look, both Preston and Birmingham look like really composed wins and performances, and the t- both those teams didn't really show up. But I don't really care because it it gives us great confidence. Two clean sheets. I mean, those are pretty priceless, um, and that's why it makes the Barnsley game so bizarre. Um, but yeah, it, it it seemed like we maybe got used to playing two sides that weren't really going to hassle us that much mm. or weren't really going to kind of be aggressive. So we'd played back-to-back games like that and then we turned up at Barnsley and we weren't ready for that onslaught and we were just getting pushed off the ball and it was getting passed around us. And I think maybe we got a little bit comfortable having played those two fairly pedestrian fixtures and cruised to victories in those games. Does it... Do these... <laughs> I can't... There's no, almost no pattern emerging now from this QPR team. Do you know what I mean? Like you kind of knew, we knew where we were at the, the start of the season. We were a little bit worried and, and there was reasons to, to be worried. Then we went on what felt like at the time, a really good run. 
and we were talking about the playoffs. Now it's win one, lose one, <laughs> let in three goals. Like where, where it's hard to read where this team is going to end up. I feel at times. Yeah, I, I it's it, it is hard. To, you don't know from one week to the next what you're going to get. Sometimes, yeah. Well, I know I'm going to get a side that tries to play football the right yeah, way, they and do. they're going to have a go, and they're probably going to let a goal in. Um, and I'm quite enjoying it. The football's been great. I can't yeah. complain about what I'm watching compared to what I've seen in the last five years. Um, I like Warburton. I think he's very measured, good manager. He's got his ideas. I think we really miss Barbe at the back because the, because of the way we want to play. I mean, bless him, Leisner. He's put the ball in his head. He's fine, but mm. you know, if he's got to bring it out and try and he, he, you know, Birmingham three or four. The only time Birmingham looked like they're going to hurt us is when Leisner gave him the ball. You know that, that that whole start of the year, that run we had with, with Barbe there, just that ability to bring the ball out of defence and you know and comfortably find the man. That, that, so that's that's been missing. It feels like all is not well at the mill. Is that what they say? Is that the phrase? All is not well with Leisner. There was he sort of made some comments, didn't he, to a German publication last week? Did you see this? No, that but he I then do. Had to backtrack on. I do always get the feeling, a bit like Polter, that his heart still remains in Berlin and obviously he left a team that then got promoted to the Bundesliga and I would be thinking shit that's so annoying because I could have been with all my pals back there doing that and I I do get that sense although I still think he's you know he is trying hard it's not like he doesn't give the impression like you know he's he's not giving anything the 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 problem is he's not good with his feet and he's trying he's trying so hard to recreate that pass that he put in for that mm. goal against Luton. Every single time he's just trying to recreate yes. that ball. And that was yes. a one-off and it's not going to happen again. And, you know, sometimes it's too late to mould players into something they're not. And he is not a ball-playing So he d- said something defender. like, he gave an interview to a foreign publication. I don't think it was. I think it yeah, was the London paper. I think you're right, actually. I think you're right. Um, it, I think it was. It was Football League paper or something like that, where he said, Mark Warburton's not the sort of guy I would have a drink with. And then he said he was misquoted. Now, I know I'm sitting in a room with two journalists. I know generally when people say they're misquoted, I would say nine times out of ten they are not being misquoted. Maybe one out of ten. Especially if there's not a translator. If He speaks pretty decent English, I think. So I, if he yeah. hasn't had a translator, then you've got, not really got a leg to stand on. Yeah. So which makes me think, a kind of a bit like you, maybe there isn't. A totally good relationship there, you know, is perhaps not settled. I think in the day when a player's playing, they're happy when they're not, they're not yeah. happy. But evidently, at the start of the season, he didn't have him as his first choice. Took the the armband off him, and it's tough. That's tough. It's one kind to of take hard, that. yeah. But I do think as well that I'd be surprised if he's here next season if they get money for him, an offer for him, they'll mm. they'll take him. It was funny. I've got family that support Birmingham, and they were really impressed with our defence. <laughs> I can't believe you've, you've, clean not, you've not kept the clean sheet all season. Your defence is really good. That German, he's a really good player. He is. Yeah. But it's that kind of head on the ball. Yeah, he's great. And the, his performance at Millwall early in the season, he was outstanding. And then, he's not been. He's not a terrible player. I mean, we've certainly had worse centre-backs, but the way that Warburton wants to play. Yeah, he, su- he suits the championship. He'd do well at a, a, like a kind of more, I guess, traditional championship club, potentially higher up the table. Um, but he's not right for Warburton right now. But it's it's hard when you've got managers, you know, sticking around for a year because the squads are always having to adapt. So it's really hard. I think there were some issues as well in the summer about 
Warburton didn't didn't like the way he trained. Warburton's yeah. way of training, you play as you train. And I don't think Leisner was kind of putting it all in, as they say. So no. that probably didn't help his chances. And the armband went to Grant Hall. And um, But again, Grant Hall, he's out of contract. It'd be interesting to see what happens with yeah. him. So did you see those tweets today? There was a couple of Tottenham fan account tweets about... Uh, yes, Eze I did see that, yeah. ...saying, you know, like, deal done type thing. But basically the gist of it was that Spurs, Spurs are in for him. I mean, everyone's apparently window. in for him. It's just... Yeah. If you're a London club in your, you know, Premier League or a bit higher, you apparently want him. I'm sure lots of clubs are talking about him, but, I mean, I think it's a lot of hot air at the moment. Um, I don't know the, the account that it came from well enough to say whether or not they, they kind of... There is well, no one, I don't know, but um, I think the fact that they sold Freeman and Furlong for some money in the summer... Yeah, they're not over the barrel that they would have been last year to sell in January, and we're not really a January selling selling or sort buy, of club. Yeah. I would I would have thought that is a if he is going to go to a club like that, I would have thought slash hope that's a buy now loan back for the rest of the season. Yeah. But I'd be surprised. It's, I, he's not really a Mourinho player, is he? No, no, I mean, he's I think not. He'd at be all. more suited at a Leicester or a West Ham or somewhere like that where he's going to play. Yeah. Um, no, Mourinho doesn't tend to so, play players. Like I mean, if they're paying twenty million for him, I don't even really care who he play, <laughs> yeah, goes for. Yeah. But yeah. It's, just go for it. It's, um, <laughs> but, uh, but he's, I mean, again, just to reinforce again that you had him on the show last week. Yes, and I can reinforce he is such a lovely fellow. Good, we, wouldn't it? We were at the station on Saturday, coming back from Sheffield, and the team were on our on our train. Um, so we got from Barnsley to Sheffield, and. Um, there was a lot of Sheffield Wednesday fans that had come out from Forest and they were taunting the QPR players as they were walking down to the platform. Yeah, yeah. And they weren't, you know, obviously pissed off about that. And the two, my two mates were there. It was Ezzy Bright and Grant Hall. And um, they stopped Ezzy and one of them did a video call to his little boy. Happily Aww. did it, spoke to him. Hi, how you doing? Selfies and, you know, and it's not for show. He's a nice lad and you kind of, whatever happens to him, I just really hope he gets a good move and... You know, he's a kind of player, the way he plays. England haven't really got anyone like that in their current side. And no. also he's, so, from what he said on the on the podcast, he's clearly willing to adapt and change. That's the best thing. Mm. He's not, you know, bless Adele Tarap. Adele Tarap wasn't willing to adapt and change for managers. He had a style and, and he'd feel like he, he that was all he wanted to do and he'd learnt that way and, and that was it. That, that You get what you got with Tarap. Whereas... As he's spoken a lot about changing his passing style, you know, c- continually learning and learning and growing as a player, and you have to do that. And so many players refuse to do that now. I think because they they realise that you know they they're, they're worried about you know losing out on a big deal or something. But he's so open to working with anyone, and if it can improve him game, he's up he's he's up for it. So sorry you missed that last week, Flo. Oh, it was, it was so such gutted. a shame. I know, but it, too many Christmas parties. Yeah, yeah. If if anybody hasn't listened to it, go back, go to our website and go through the it was whatever really you good. call it, the widget. If you want to hear three grown men fanboying over a is he twenty one over a twenty one yeah. year old? Um, yeah, have a listen to that. Top top guy, um, Ian. I wanted to ask you. So you recently met Les Ferdinand for kick up the arse. Yes, I did. I Tell did. us about that. It was about a month. Oh, when I speak, it was before the Middlesbrough game. I spoke to him. So, and it, it was in. This, it's in the most current issue of Kick Up the R's. So, 
Um, yeah, he was good. He was basically, he's been in the role five years and I just wanted to kind of have a chat with him about, you know, the job then and the job now and how things have changed. And it was interesting and you, you kind of realised that we've had to go back to basics from everything off the field and slowly we're kind of beginning to see some light in the, the tunnel and the issues I've had to face that in addition to keeping the team, you know, competitive on the field, you know, restarting the scouting system, sports science, medical, all these things that people don't turn up on Saturday to talk about that side of the football club, but mm-hmm. unless you've got that, the football club on the field is not going to be as successful. And uh, he was good. I mean, he's he kind of quite honest and said that, yeah, you know, he's he's made mistakes. You know, there have been signings that haven't worked out, but considering where we were before he arrived, I think we certainly, you know, um, in a better situation. And it was interesting you said he talked about the when he arrived at the the club, the academy was there was like a depression over the club, yeah, because we were getting relegated, but also over the academy because there was academy coaches and academy players knowing they've got no chance of ever getting him in the first team. And he right. was sort of saying, it's, you know, for a club like us, and it's quite true, when you look at Charlton, Palace, similar-sized clubs to us, have produced John Joe Shelby, Joe Gomez, Wilf Sahar, Aaron Wambasaka, and, you know, who have we produced? We're similar. We should have kids that are coming through and are sold on for big money, like the Ezes and that, and... Who have we produced in the last 20 years? Sterling, but only to a certain age group. Mm, he didn't really stay yeah. long enough to claim that we really nurtured him, but technically. I mean, so this is, I'm not taking away from the jo- the job that the coaches obviously did. And interestingly, I think I've told you this before, there's, um, when you reach a certain level of football f- football fame, you uh, there's a whole series of kids' football books Yes, I've written. heard about his So book, there is, yeah. in Sterling's one, which is, you know, my, my seven-year-old reads it, there's a whole chapter in there about the QPR Academy and it mentions Steve Gallon. Steve mm. Gallon is a character in the book. However, it's a little bit, rather than we... Yes, I guess we did produce him, but it's also as accurate to say Raheem Sterling is a phenomenon who happened to pass through QPR, right? Yeah, he left at, what, 15, wasn't it? So, But, I mean, really, Steve Gallon was doing what he... For him to get Darnell Furlong into... a into a Premier League team, as we were then, and you know, be a yeah. playing the first team. He deserves immense credit for that because yeah. there was just basically no funding given to the academy, and and there's a good chance Darnell will be in the Premier League next year. A good chance, yeah. But also, but what he did mention as well, this um, elite player performance program, right. which is an absolute scandal. We received ten million pound for Sterling, who left us as a 15, 16 year old. If that was to be the case now, we wouldn't receive any more than £280,000. Wow. So what's happening is that clubs can go in and just... And we've lost players to... He said we lost two two players to Tottenham, two players to Fulham, one to Southampton, and these are kind of 13, 14-year-olds. They just take them. Yeah, and they can been stop, a lot they can of discussion about that. Yeah. And he's sort of saying that these are guys we are identifying. He could be a first-team player for us. And they can just come and take them and play... And so you ask the question, well, can't we do that to them? And it's like, well, we're not in a position due to financial fair play. We can't walk up to Watford and take one of those players and pay a hundred grand for a fifteen-year-old because that risk of paying that much money for a kid who's never kicked the ball in the first yeah. team is too great for a club in our financial position. Whereas for a Premier League club, it's they can just stockpile them and then they release them at eighteen. But again, like Manchester City are signing players and guaranteeing private education for yeah. for these kids. 
even if they get released until yeah. they're eighteen. That's a bit, you know, you can't have to compete. I've done a I've done a visit to City's academy. Uh, that's exactly right. It's absolutely incredible. But then they have, and you they, you go around and you see all the youth team, the youth teams training, and they say every kid here over the age of eleven, City commit to pay for their education up to the end of university level, regardless of whether they make it or not. But there's a whole state system, literally a state in the Middle East that are paying for that and the resources and the deep pockets they've got. No one can compete with that. So it kind of goes back to what you're saying, really. Clubs like QPR really struggle to keep up with that level of investment. And then there's the whole kind of, you know, Brentford and Huddersfield have closed their academies down and we're seeing how Brentford have just gone, okay, we'll go and sign players from France for a million pounds instead of paying for our academy and just having our best young players just being siphoned off to you know, Premier League clubs. And the discussions have been on board about whether or not QPR should close our academy down. But it's the owners that want it. The owners like it. The owners are happy to fund it and the owners like seeing players come through it. Um, but, but, then, but, but until like they DFA actually, it's been lobbied. There's lots of clubs lobbying the FA to, to change this. Yeah, because you're going to see more and more academies just go to the wall. Because why would they? What, you know, if you're developing a child from eight, he's your player, and he walks away when he's 16. Lots of managers have been speaking about it, especially this season, because uh, it is becoming a bit a, a bit ridiculous. And as more clubs move to do, you know, emulate what Brentford are doing, I think that's you know the game. That's bad for the game to do that mm. to to close academies and basically say you know you you just got to get lucky and get spotted rather than actually nurtured well it sounds like clubs like qpr now need to rely on the secondary talent market in the like with the Bireze. so um get, like presumably talent like identification of a player is still an art not a science right you because you can't guarantee a player is going to make it and so players get released and then it's about picking up the rough diamonds, right, that get released. And again, you get the, the kid who's fantastic at 13, every youth coach and yeah. knows who they are. And then when they get released by Liverpool at 16. Yeah. It's one of those you kind of do your due diligence when they're that, that age and then when they get released, you're picking them up. And So what was your impression leaving Les then? Because he gets a lot of stick. He is judged rightly or wrongly on the manager of the first team. Has he brought in the last manager? People say, people say we better get this one right. What what impression did you leave from that meeting with? He's very. I mean, Les. Anyone who's spoken to him, he's very honest and very upfront. Um, Warburton's the only manager that he's signed off on, has had the final say on. Okay. At the same time, he's like, well. The owners put the money in. Ultimately, I can advise them, but if they want to choose their manager, that's their right. Yeah. But he said the reality is that you manager comes in and you say to them, at some stage, I'm going to come and give you bad news, but while you're here, I'll do everything I can to make you... But he was saying that this manager's coming in. I don't know who he's referring to. I'm assuming it's probably McLaren. They were yeah. told one thing, and when they come in the door, and they go, yeah, yeah I understand that. They want to do something else. And with Warburton's come in and knows the situation and he's the right man for the job at the moment. He understands where we are and what we need and yeah. um and how to how we need to play. We need to play the way we're playing if we want to sell players to Premier League clubs. Because Premier League clubs want to see players playing in a style that's seen Premier in the Premier League. League. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? The way you keep the ball, yeah. the way yeah. and that's how you, you sell. I mean and also as well, but the, the point he he said was that um 
you know, you look at the progressive clubs in this division, you've got Bristol City, Brentford, um, have had to sell, have sold big. They've sold players like Joe Bryan for eight million quid, Webster for twenty million to Brighton. That's what we need to do. With FFP, you now need to sell and re put that money back in. Yeah. But that's when your scouting comes in. You've got that money, you can't waste it now. Because when we've had big money to spend historically, we've we have wasted it. Yeah. Right. Um okay. Right, we've got a few things to get through. Let's let's talk about two thousand and nineteen. It's our last podcast of the year and I was going to ask you in this calendar year which straddles two seasons uh, two managers millions of players um, let's talk your heroes and villains first of all your QPR heroes and your QPR villains of 2019 I'm looking at you Flo so my hero is someone who will also be my player of the se- of the year and best goal. Yeah. So it's all kind of packaged up in in a one-er. Okay. Um, and that's Abira Eze, which I'm sure a lot of people would agree with. Which goal? Uh, the goal this season at Stoke. Yeah. Um, Prefer that to Bright's? The one at, B- at Birmingham. That yeah. was Yeah, that was pretty incredible. I think... Because of Eze's consistency, he wins out. Yeah. Bright still got... He's an incredible player, but he's still sort of lacking in, in the finishing department. But that was great to see because he's been working so hard. So I meant, like, I meant did goals. you prefer that goal? Not yeah, do yeah, you prefer yeah. him as your hero? No, yeah, no, no, yeah. no. But just in general, I think Eze gets bonus points for yeah. also being consistent and producing moments of magic on a regular basis. Um, so, yeah, that goal against Stoke. And I think the reason I think he's a hero is because of the excitement that he's brought back to Loftus Road. And it's been quite a bleak place over the last couple of years and not since really Adele Tarapt have we had someone who is that exciting on the ball. And when he gets the ball, you kind of, you know, you want to get up off your seat and you you just kind of think, wow, what's going to happen? And I think that's why he's my hero is because what he's brought back to the club is just a real kind of energy positivity excitement and we're just we were so desperate for that especially after the stick he got you know halfway through last season I think it's even better to see kind of how he's proving so many people wrong and and playing so well so he gets sort of three of those four awards the villain from uh, probably Steve McLaren um I think that was you know a bad match in the first place he never should have become manager of the club at that point um I don't think he covered himself in glory um and in terms of player villain I didn't really hate anyone that much but I think Jake Bidwell and Joel Lynch led left a lot to be desired yeah (laughs) Ian um, well, I we can't all say Eze and McLaren, so we're now um, just gonna have to. Well, I think Sorry. McLaren's. I'm gonna be slightly controversial, I guess, and say I'm for a hero. I'm gonna go for Warburton as your hero. It's very early Good days, shout. I know, because I mean, I think with McLaren, we have to get into context. Not everything under McLaren was, was terrible. No, the second half of the season was this time last year. You know, we were beating Middlesbrough and yeah. something in Ipswich and going to Villa and getting a draw. And we had a cup run and we beat Forest away. 
so it wasn't all bad, but it went downhill after Christmas. So this is one bit worried about saying Warburton because the same thing could happen. It could go all downhill after Christmas. It and, won't. Um, but I it just won't. think, not just the style of football we're playing, but I just think the way he's the first manager, probably since Holloway in first stint, where his fingerprints are all over everything yeah. around the club. Um, you hear stories about he'll just turn up at the academy down in Cranford just yeah. to kind of let the coaches know, all right, I'm here, just to kind of give them a, give, the, give the kids, oh, the manager's here. Stuff like that you hear. Um, the way he speaks to players. I know Connor Mosson apparently is going out on loan, but he flew out to watch him play for the under-21s for Ireland just so he could watch him and then chat to him about the game. Things like that just you hear and, and the way he dealt with the young players and, you know, he's, I mean, he could have, it would have been very easy for him not to pick Manning and just play Wallace because yeah. he's his player and that he hasn't. You know, and we've seen Manning grow as a player this year. He's he had a few games where he hasn't been great, but by and large, Brian Manning's been excellent this season as a left back. We've seen Ezzy grow as a player. Chairs had a good run of games. Uh, Nanky Wells looks a different player to how he looked, you know, under, under McLaren. And yeah, we can't defend, but I'm enjoying the football. I really am. And, um, I like the way he just comes across well. It's a, small, it's a really small thing, but I like the fact that he does. Yeah. He he speaks to the official website and does a pre-match interview put every every match. He's we, also we never got that. You never got that with McLaren. You never. You rarely got that with Holloway towards the end. So as a fan, you go, "All oh, right." So you hear it, and he, the way he speaks on that, he, he he kind of almost is reassuring. You go, oh, "Okay, yeah, I, I kind of get where you're coming from." He's a good fit. He's also, from a journalist's point of view, when he disagrees with you, he doesn't say it in an arsey, mm. aggressive way. Yeah. And the amount of managers you deal with when they don't like your question, they just throw it back to you in a really insulting way, like you're an idiot. Yeah. But at, after the Fulham game, I said to him, look, we're on a bad run, let's be honest. Well, I didn't say we're because I tried to forget that I'm a QPR fan, but I said, you know, your side aren't on a good run. And he said, you know what, I'm not having that. We're playing well and the results don't reflect that. But the way he said it wasn't, you know, you're a fucking idiot for asking that question. And managers do that so easily that when they don't like your question, they so easily just throw it back in your face like you're stupid. But he said it in a respectful way and said, so, you know, I, I get why you're asking that, but I, do, I disagree with it. So yeah. I, I like his his manner as well. Um he he does say a lot of cliches, but I mean, you would if you'd been doing the job for that long. You just kind of in autopilot sometimes. Because yeah. I think this season as well, it's only the West Brom. I think go to Leeds away, but it sounds of a similar level to the West Brom game, where that's the only game I've seen that's really kind of be probably outclassed. West Brom are very good. Yes. they look better than us. Yes. Whereas going to Fulham, I've seen pretty much every game at Craven College for the last ten years or so, <coughs> and. Um, that's the first time we've actually. I've walked away and thought we should have won that. Yeah, I've seen us win at Craven Cottage when it was complete larceny, where they missed two penalties and open and an open goal. That's still a one. Yeah, but we were good against Fulham for an hour and confidence go. But I look at that and go, we're not a bad side. No, we're really not a bad side. We we can't. We need to tighten up at the back. But you know, I think he's done a really good job so far, and long may it continue. Villain. Villain. A bit, bit harsh on Bidwell there. Bidwell's good old stick for us. He's consistent. <laughs> Never really let anyone down. Um, yeah, Jake Joel Lynch, terrible footballer. I'm glad to see the back of him. Um, I guess you kind of have to say McLaren as well. It was pretty dire. That's a, you know losing at home to Bolton and Rotherham. 
Yeah, a Bolton team that wasn't getting paid beat us. I mean, that's <laughs> says yeah. it at home, says it all, really. Uh, and just a kind of the, the kind of dark cloud over the club in those latter stages of the season. It was pretty, you know, pretty ordinary. So I guess I have to say McLaren, albeit I will say that it wasn't all as bad as sometimes it's painted. Um, I'm one of my highlights of the year. I put getting to the fifth round of the FA Cup, yeah. and he did do that. I mean, the draw was kind to us, um, but he still mastered that. So it does feel harsh saying a villain. When does a kind draw all... ever matter with QPR? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yes. All right. I'll, I'll I'll do quickly my heroes and villains because they're they're sort of obvious for everyone, really. And then I'll start you off on the next ones because yes, if I was to list my heroes. They would be probably of the year. They would probably be yours. They would be a Eze, and they would probably be Mark Warburton, um, because I think to have done what he's done is an absolutely remarkable job. He had no squad and no money. Let's not forget that we should be rock bottom of the league right now. No squad, no money, no players. Where'd you go from there? So he's done a remarkable job. But instead, I will, given that you've chosen them, I will choose a different uh, hero. And I don't know if it's specifically one person, uh, but it's, it's probably a few people. But it's those who have really put the community interests of the club forward. And I understand the idea to rename the stadium was put forward by Jamie Rubin, who's on the board, who is a Chelsea fan. But I understand he put the name forward, he put the idea forward to rename the stadium uh, in aid of a local charity. And we now know that that charity was selected and voted for for, uh, uh, for to, to be renamed to the Kind Prince Foundation Stadium. Something I, I wasn't, I kept it to myself, but I wasn't quite sure that was the right thing to do. I wasn't quite sure people would take it in the spirit that it would be intended, the whole initiative. I wasn't quite sure that people would be pleased to see, would be happy for the Loftus Road to go. But it was just a brilliant idea and it capped off a number of amazing community initiatives and the boost it's given to that charity, the boost it's given to the club. If I'm not going to name the obvious ones, I think it's all the people that are doing stuff like that um, in and around the club. Villain of the Year would probably be the same as yours, Steve McLaren, possibly unkind. I don't want to say it's Tony, but whoever kept appointing those sorts of managers and those sorts of appointments is probably probably my villain of the year because if it's true that this was the first appointment that Les has been able to make, and guess what, we're all quite happy with it and it's all going all right, thanks very much. Well, that person who kept making those non-thought-through appointments um, needs to take some responsibility for that. Uh, then, other two. I'll put these other two to you and I'll do mine quickly. Moment of the year, goal of the year. My moment of the year, actually, I've talked about, which was a period of a couple of weeks. Such a pivotal, pivotal moment where we had no players. No players. I went to that game at Boreham Wood away in pre-season where we got beat. 2-0 we don't know didn't know what we were doing that that transition period of uh, the start of the season where we thought what the hell is going on although it wasn't an enjoyable moment it's kind of I think one of those moments that we will look back on it, it kind of needed to happen for us to pull through and to be where we are my goal of the year I just loved Bright's goal 
last week and I loved the celebration. I loved the passion that soared through him after he scored that goal. So your moment and your goal of the year. So the goal would be Isaiah at Stoke. Moment, probably the first sort of half an hour against Luton at home. Yeah. That was just incredible football. I was speechless at times. It was amazing to watch. Yeah. Um, I would love to recreate that every week. but And I hope it's not a one-off. We, we've had passages of that. But it, it was such an extended sort of onslaught. Uh, of good football, so that was Blackburn's a, good as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There were some weird moments in that Blackburn game. Yeah, and there's some weird moments in that losing game. But um, yeah, that that half an hour was pretty special. Even that weird out of place win at home to Swansea at the yeah. end of last season when we won four nil, <laughs> had no right to was was fun. As and you well. know what? When when McLaren was was on his last kind of <laughs> last reign. He that win against Leeds at home yeah. was pretty mad because no one saw that coming. And we held on. We held on so well, which is rare as you know, being QPR. So that was a pretty pivotal moment and then obviously it all ended in tears anyway in the end. But just before we go to Ian, just if you remember that win at home to Swansea, the four 0 where Tom Hemmer scored two in like the opening two minutes, what that has given me and should give every QPR fan is the ability to say to any Man United fan yeah, Daniel James is not that good. So I've seen him, seen him get completely done over by um, Angel Rangel. Had him in his pocket. Don't know what you see in him. He's he's no good. Ian, you've kind of stolen my thunder. Um, goal of the year is Bright. Is um, Ezzy's against Stoke. Bright's was great. It's very. We're very lucky. When's the last time, as a QPR fan, probably since a Tarap was playing, that we've had two amazing goals before, yes. before Christmas. And Bryce was an amazing goal. Yeah. I mean, had that been in the Premier League, then... Yeah, it was like yeah. Son's goal. But Ezzy's goal against... Your mic's there. Ezzy's uh, <laughs> goal against Stoke. The move, just the, the finish, the move from the back, the rollout, Cameron's ball, and just he just took the piss. <laughs> just took the... And it was supposed to be, a, you know, everyone was... That's an easy win for Stoke, that one. And it just kind of settled everyone down. The goal, the win, winning at a, you know, a club that had been... You know, World Resorts Club just recently down from the Premier League, and he got it's the first time he won an away game, I think, since away from home since 1987, and the first game of the season, mm. I think. Yes, it was something. I think you're right. Yeah, it was. He beat West Ham 3 0. So that was a, a great, that's a great moment and a, and a great goal. Um, what was the other question? Moment and goal. Um, moment. Beating Leeds was good. Beating Leeds is always good. Yeah, beating but uh, that, I mean, Luke Freeman's performance that night is one of the best performances I've seen from an individual. It's kind of forgotten in amongst the uh, the Ezzy love, but Freeman was a very good player for us, and um, we got pretty decent money for him as well. Yeah, well, that that's a source of debate, but yes. Well, he's not playing, is he? No. Pate got five million for a bloke sitting on the bench in the Premier League, so yeah. if we sell Ezzy, we might we'll probably get twenty million for him because he's young and yeah. And actually, if you look to sort of go back to Warburton being the hero, if you look at the side that Steve McLaren had, Luongo, Freeman, Eze, Bright was there, Angel Rangel, and what Warburton's achieved with you know losing half of that mm. first team is really, really impressive. And it just shows that sometimes you've got to you know, freestyle a little bit and play people a little bit differently and just give them a bit of freedom, whereas 
McLaren was so rigid. Things were so sort of, this is it. There's nothing else you can do. This is the way you have to play. And giving these guys a bit more freedom. Pff, yeah, the defence is a bit shambolic, but yeah, they're playing with confidence. I'll tell you what, we'll chuck in there as a little bit of an unsung hero. Is, um, oh, the assistant manager, John Eustace. John Eustace. Um, kind of went under the radar a bit. You know, it was him that played Manning first at left back, gave him a taste towards the end of last season. Just yeah. sort of settled things down. That nil nil at Millwall was awful, but it kind of. And then his comments at the end of the season: "This is the team with a losing mentality." Mm. So basically, when the manager comes in, that's like you need to get rid of this lot because they don't know how to win. Yeah, and essentially that's what they've done, and they've kind of tried to build a side that. You know, can win, and so far, so good. Right, the Christmas period. We're not. We won't record now till I don't think after the Swansea game, which means we have. And I'm freestyling this now. We have between now and then Charlton at home, mm-hmm. Reading away, Hull at home, yeah. Cardiff at home, Swansea at home. Lots of homes. Four home games, and the one away game is not that far away. And it's on TV as well. What are you hoping for? Where are you hoping to be whenever we record the next one, 6th, 7th of Jan? Well, I'm hoping after all the Mark Warburton love we've just given him, he's still in the job at the end of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you look at it on paper, they're, pretty, they're, they're, they're winnable games, aren't they? You haven't got to travel far, but, you know, Charlton, there should be a good crowd there Saturday. Yeah. They haven't won the 10 games, that worries me. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Red in away, we got quite a good record there. That's winnable. Hull at home, have to think that's winnable. I mean, again, it's going to be every squad's going to be depleted over that period. So you just hope we're at home. We haven't got too many long coach journeys that you know that works in our favour. And if we can take out of them games, we can take sort of nine, ten points. I'll be pretty happy with that. Wow, four games. Be delighted. Oh, out of cup, four league it's games, a cup game, isn't it? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, seven points and a cup and a win in the yeah. cup would be lovely, wouldn't it? But on paper, they're they're all winnable games, aren't they? There's no, you're not away to Leeds in there. You're not no. West Brom. There's no none of the kind of real big boys there. So play full strength team in the cup as I much hope as so. you can after four games in however many days. I it's hope a, so. It's a tricky, was not it? Because this is probably what got McLaren the sack. He played the full strength team in the cup. And because we had replays and we went through that ridiculous run in February, I think we had nine games in the space of 21 days. And that's what killed the team. They were wrecked, weren't they? Yeah, but then on the flip side, you play a weakened team like McLaren did in the Cup at Blackpool. And you get hammered. And you lose your momentum. You've got 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 to put your your best team You have to. Even with our best team, that FA Cup fixture tie, I would have liked something a little bit easier. I'm just yeah. a little bit worried. Well, it depends what, team they, they, depends what team they pick as well. That's true, but they blew us away at home this season. Mm. You think so? On, on, well, I don't think they did. They, were, they played well, but I mean, really, that's another game you I look mean, at. I mean, maybe going, it was too early in in the project for us. I don't know. They it had just three shots on goal like... and, and scored, and they were good, whereas we battered them second half and couldn't score. Should have had a penalty. I don't think they battered us. I think it's a winnable game. They're a good side, but I don't think they're, what are they, 10th, 11th? Mm. Yeah, I think similar... I I don't know. It will it will depend on on who, what team they put out. But yeah, I'm not feeling that confident about that. I'd rather be playing them than Brentford or Fulham or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, ours end.
Ars End, anything else that you haven't mentioned yet that you want to say? This is your last opportunity in 2019 to say anything. I will keep mine relatively short and sweet and in the style of Paul Finney, which is there are five games over the next whatever it is, 42 weeks, basically. That's a lot of games. Don't get carried away if we win and smash someone. and Don't get carried away if we get turned over and perform badly. Because you don't take five wins out of five. You don't even really take four wins out of five, especially if you're QPR. So let's keep it all in perspective. I'm sure we'll win a couple. I'm sure we'll lose a couple. But as you say, it is part of the project. So perspective people would be my Ars End lecture. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. Flo? Uh, I guess my Ars End more, not 2019, but actually we're coming to the end of a pretty dramatic decade for QPR. Yeah. A lot has happened in this decade. A lot. Roll VT. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, talk, talk about four-year plan. This has been a, a mad, mad 10 years. So... I guess the main thing is just focus on on the nice bits and even some of the the bad bits have still been quite funny when you look back. So um yeah, what what a decade it's been and hopefully the next 10 will be a bit more positive and well, bit... we've got two promotions. Yeah, but less fragile. Three less seasons, fragile. I mean, you Wembley look... finals, Zamora. Was, there's was... been some there's been some great moments, but I think what the last year or two has taught hasn't been dull. Has taught has no. taught football is that you know your status and your sustainability and everything is so fragile. And as you look, you know, with everything that's happening at Macclesfield, Bury, what Bolton went through, what Charlton are trying to push through with their sale, things can change so quickly. And I, I'm just hoping that the next ten years will be slightly more stable uh, than than the previous. And we, you know, continue to do the great work in the community and focus less on, you know, trying to fight with some of the other clubs in London and get to the Premier League or whatever, because that's what's really important at the end of the day. Good. Ian? I just hope we get a decent crowd on Saturday, last Saturday before Christmas, London Derby. I think Sultan, Charlton have sold out there away in. Always a nice atmosphere around this time of year with, with home games, so I just hope we can get it. Decent crowd, good atmosphere, and three points. I'll drink to that. Uh, I think that's it. That's it for the podcast for 2019. Thank you all very much for listening. Um, we will be back uh, early on in the new year after this period. Um, and here's to as many positive results as possible from those five games. Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy New Year. And we'll see you in 2020. You are. You be off.